0: Thank <laughs> you. Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena.
1: I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Mark. All right. So we're going to talk about the role of the spirit in the life of the church and and believers, correct? Correct. And, and part of that is just dealing with the issue of baptism, specifically baptism of the spirit. But the moment you even say the word baptism it brings up all kinds of different ideas in different people's minds um, and and part of that's because baptism is a key doctrine uh, related to the church it gets into the issues of you know when the church began um, did the church start in other words at Pentecost or did it include every believer throughout time um, and there's different views on that um, and in some circles of the church there's this strong, an almost overemphasis of uh, water baptism. So whenever they see the word baptize, immediately they begin to think that it's talking about baptism into the water or being sprinkled or dipped or whatever it might be. You're gonna see that with uh, Catholics, lay Lutherans. A lot of them will see it as uh, a means of salvation. This is how one becomes saved. Um, it's not correct, but it's there, and because of that tendency to look at the word baptism and immediately assume it's talking about water baptism, they miss a key doctrine in relationship to baptism and the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, and so those are those are some reasons why this is a, a very confused doctrine. Um, another reason is because of the rise of things like the charismatic movement and you know, what's called the holiness movement and second blessing theology and other things that are out there, there's just a lot of confusion. And so spirit baptism is often associated with things like in that world of speaking with tongues, uh, you know, a more unique presence or a more empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, And what's interesting is in that view, it's actually possible to be saved without having experienced spirit baptism, which is strange because we're going to try and unfold biblically what spirit baptism is. And that's that doesn't even make sense.
1: In other words, it's a fable. It's fably, yes. But it's popular and it very gets repeated popular. repeated constantly. I mean, I've dealt with this over the years, yeah. and it, it can be frustrating because it's just so much part of the belief system and the vocabulary that they don't even think about
0: um, what they're saying. Yeah, they're in. So there's, there's a lot of confusion over the biblical language itself. And so we're gonna talk about spirit baptism, spirit indwelling, and spirit filling. And these are three different things, three unique ministries and realities of the Holy Spirit. And so today we're gonna do um, spirit baptism. But what I do wanna say is that it's really important to get these doctrines right. And in order to get these doctrines right, you have to be careful with the language that you use.
1: Well, well, let me then reemphasize what you just said, because you, you named three things, spirit baptism, spirit filling, and the indwelling of the spirit. Um, I just want to make certain everyone heard you correctly. Those are unique, meaning they're distinct, different aspects of yes. the spirit, right? So when, when, when I say I was filled with the spirit, biblically speaking, I don't mean I was baptized. Or that you spirit. were indwelt. Or indwelt, right. Correct. But
0: most people, yeah, they, they, all of this stuff's been conflated. Oh my goodness! And yeah. There's no clear-mindedness on on what these mean, and so you know, people may scoff at this because they don't like they don't like to think critically, they don't like to draw distinctions, um, put things in theological boxes. But the Scripture is clear that these are three different realities and three different ministries of the Holy Spirit. So if you
1: if you're already thinking as you listen to this that we're off the, our rocker or something like that. Just give us a chance. Let's take you through the text. Um, and, and I think that for a lot of people, it might be an encouraging and kind of eye-opening uh, moment for them. I know when I, I began to learn this, for me, a lot of points of confusion just went away. Okay. Um, things where I just kind of chose not to talk about that or look at that. Um, Cause I was finally just looking at the biblical text. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm a little nervous. Cause
0: yeah, well,
1: we're, we're going to be working for precision and people in our day don't necessarily like precision. Sure.
0: Yeah. And so, but with that, we would also say that we know, I mean, we know this topic can be offensive to some people. And so we just, we want people to understand where we're coming from. Um, we're not purposely trying to offend anybody. Um, but we know that that's a reality when talking about the Holy Spirit because <laughs> it's, it's very close at home yeah. with, with certain church cultures and traditions and people's personal faith. And so we're, we're just trying to help people understand that there's true biblical distinctions and that it's important to get them right. Yep, but it is
1: emotional. And so all we're asking is people to listen and think. Yeah. So, and and if they don't like something, they can always send us a message.
0: We'll interact. I I mean, I'm not.
1: I I, I'd love to do that.
0: Yeah. So, when talking about Spirit baptism, um, let's just jump into it. We there is a a really good parallel that exists between Spirit baptism and water baptism. It's a it's a really helpful parallel, and I know that when I was learning this, I literally had a graph put on the wall for me, and I saw how they paralleled and matched up with each other. And so what I learned ultimately was the reason for that parallel is because water baptism is actually the outward symbol of spirit baptism, of a Wh- spiritual reality. Which right away, if you have a
1: different understanding of what water baptism functions as, yeah, you're already, you're already having a problem, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But, but if you understand it to be a symbol rather than salvific. It's not, Correct. it's not some means which God is pouring grace into you and mm-hmm. or regenerating you. Um, so we're not talking about that. We're going to be talking from a baptistic perspective, right? That it's symbolic. It's an ordinance.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Outward symbol of a spiritual reality. So with that, it is, it's a really clean breakdown. We, there are six different categories whenever you're talking about baptism, whether that's water baptism or spirit baptism. And so, with, with this, you have number one, the baptizer, that is the one who's doing the baptism. You have the baptizee, the one who's being baptized. You have the element, the condition, the mode, and the result. So th- those are a lot of terms, but let me just break this down. So for. Yeah, but it's not hard. I mean, no, if
1: anybody who's seen a, a Baptist baptism. (laughs) I mean, you just broke down what they see. Somebody's in the water doing the baptizing. Somebody's getting baptized. The water is that element, et
0: cetera. So, yeah. yeah. So, so this is the theological grid, and then we're going to go through it and backfill it with the biblical evidence. Yeah. We're going to prove it. Yeah. So, so let me lay this out here. So when it comes to the baptizer, when you're dealing with spirit baptism, the baptizer is Jesus, it's, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's actually Jesus himself. And that corresponds in water baptism to the one who's doing the baptism, typically the pastor. Right. Yeah. Um, the baptizee uh, in spirit baptism is, is the one who's being baptized. And in water baptism, it's also the one being baptized. So there's, there's no distinction there. What about the element? All
1: right, so the element for the spirit baptism, the element is the spirit. Versus water baptism, obviously it's the water, Um, and then you go to the condition. What what is required before? You can be baptized um, if you're for the spirit baptism. There needs to be a genuine uh, profession of faith, and then with water baptism, it should be okay. not necessarily because we don't we, know. we yeah. don't know the heart, but they're giving us a gen, what appears to be a genuine profession of faith. So they're similar as well. The difference is true spirit baptism. It's because you've been truly saved versus water baptism for all intents and purposes, you believe them to be saved.
0: And then you go to the mode. The mode is in both cases, immersion. So this is contrasted with sprinkling, pouring, squirting. Yeah dunking <laughs> super soaker baptism have you
1: ever seen a video of the orthodox church oh yeah it's so funny that's oh, crazy drowning. Yeah. these the little babies, babies. Yeah. yeah and they'll do
0: it what? and, and try you yeah. yeah that's, that's not so gentle some, did you see the one where the priest is slapping the baby oh that, my god, that Slam. one was pretty insane were they like a wrestler it was you, that you one. really uh, need
1: to yeah it's it's crazy but anyhow we're off the subject already so with mode
0: and spirit baptism and water baptism the mode is is immersion and then lastly, the result in spirit baptism, the uh, The result is incorporation into the church. That's the, the capital C universal church and water baptism incorporation into the visible church. So let me just point out a few of the key things there,
1: um, at least for me, uh, when I was learning this, uh, the one thing that stood out to me was I always was thought that spirit baptism meant the spirit baptized me. Yeah. Um, and it's not. It was Christ. Um, and then, of course, the one that's what you're being baptized with is the spirit. But the other aspect is that this baptism of the spirit, it, it deals with bringing you into the actual body of Jesus Christ, yes. the actual spiritual a relationship in the church. That one was huge. And once I saw that a lot of, a lot of issues just went away. I'm like, okay, okay. And because it's right there in the text, which we'll look at Mm -hmm. or talk about (laughs) for those driving down (laughs) the freeway.
0: Right. Um, Okay. So with that, then we could ultimately say the the, the concept and the purpose behind why we water baptize is because as we've said, it's an outward symbol of a spiritual reality. So Let's give some biblical evidence for these categories. Um, When it comes to the baptizer, we've said it, Jesus is the baptizer, which means the spirit is not the baptizer. Right. Yeah. And we get this from Matthew 3.11. He says, as for me, this is John the Baptist. He says, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and fire. And so it's clear there that John the Baptist is saying, Jesus is the one who baptizes, and what does he baptize with? He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. What's the idea of fire? Yeah, uh, judgment, yeah. which, yeah, I have some comments on that later. Oh, you um, do? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, sorry, I jumped ahead. That's <laughs> all right. Um, uh, we see this also in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. This is the key one. Yeah. Because it also
1: gets into... Another point that we just made.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: you want to take that one? Yeah, well, I'll let, I'll read it and then let okay, you explain. Okay, it. sure. Because I was supposed to read the other one, then you read it. You don't remember that discussion, do you? No. We can read too. That's okay. <laughs> this is friendly banter. Oh goodness! Oh, read. First Corinthians twelve thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> First Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves are free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. So. Yeah.
0: so so with this one, it's not necessarily saying who's doing the baptism, but what's clear is that the spirit can't possibly be the one doing the baptism. Um, so what's the thing with this one is it says for, for by one spirit, we were all baptized and that gives the sense or the impression that the spirit's doing the baptism, but it's important to understand this word by that's um, not a, a wrong or a bad translation, but it kind of muddies the point. It's, it's actually the preposition in, in the original, which, which means that it's in or into the spirit that we're being baptized. And so, N is, is it can typically mean things like in, on, or among, and so it speaks of a realm. And so a, a good way you can translate this is for, into one spirit, we've all been baptized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's not that the spirit's Doing the baptism, but he is that element. It's it's yeah. into him in which we are being baptized. He's now that realm.
1: Yeah, and it gets into a huge issue that we won't even get into, but on ecclesiology, doctrine of the church, just that the tight connection between the believers and and the spirit, and how it's the spirit that draws us all together. Which uh, Paul gets into in Ephesians four about unity. Then yeah. that we maintain that unity of the spirit because.
0: Absolutely. We yeah, were you're...
1: baptized into the Spirit.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, when it comes to that that passage in First Corinthians, though, it's the same proposition we see in that Matthew three eleven passage right. that apparently I was supposed to read and you were to talk about, but huh. um, <laughs> but also in Acts one five, he um, says, "For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with." the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. That's actually the same preposition yeah. with it's in. Um, and so here it's translated as with, whereas in first Corinthians it's translated as by. It's unfortunate because yeah.
1: it, it's the first Corinthians passage is the one that so many people will go to, to talk about the, you know, being baptized by the spirit and yeah, and they end up missing the point. Yeah. I would have been helpful if they had just been consistent, but. Yeah. Nobody asks us to do translations. <laughs> so, so we'll do our own, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so let me let me also say a, uh, just a quick, this is kind of a by the way on this, um, because it's something that is prevalent in charismatic theology, Pentecostal theology. Um, there's a parallel passage to Matthew three eleven, and it's in Luke three sixteen and 17. Uh, here's what it says. It says, John answered and said to them all, as for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who's mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And so in verses 16 and 17 here, this Luke passage, you have a parallel um, and the Holy Spirit actually has a twofold purpose. The first one is to bring salvation, but the second one's to actually bring judgment. Yeah. and so the only point I want to make is in this context fire in conjunction with the Holy spirit is not a good thing. No, Um, it's not power. It's not, no, the tongues like tongues of flame in acts. Yeah. And, and so I I say that because there's a lot of songs that we hear of sort of calling for the Holy spirit to fall on us with fire and, and you (laughs) know, these these things Uh, And I I, I guess I know what they mean. I mean, they're probably talking about passion and that kind of thing, but, if songs according to Colossians three are designed to teach and instruct us in good theology and doctrine, we need to get that right. And so if you're singing songs about the Holy spirit falling on you with fire, you're singing to God to bring judgment, which is not a good thing. Well, I mean, if you're singing for him to bring judgment on, if it's like an imprecatory psalm, I yeah, mean, but, but not on, on anyone. anyone. No, yeah. no, that's
1: the <laughs> <a> wrong pronoun. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, anytime you have the spirit in fire, this is speaking of judgment. Christ is bringing his winnowing fork in the spirit, as that means. Um, you know, the, the role of the spirit is to um, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is what he does. And so, um, those kinds of songs are not good or helpful in instructing us on the role of the spirit. So, all that to say, though, many many think from these verses that the Spirit's the one who baptizes us, but that's not right. Uh, it's important to understand when it comes to Spirit baptism, Jesus is the one baptizing, and that's the point to understand. He, he's the baptizer, and we're baptized into the Spirit. And that already begins
1: to set it up. If you were to just stop right there and people were to think about that, I think a lot of uh, individuals would begin to say, well, then, is he like... I believe I can have multiple baptisms. You know, is, does that mean then that Jesus is baptizing me with the Spirit over and over again? I, yeah. mean, right, I mean, right away, it's already getting to be set up that there's something different going on than how we commonly will hear being baptized with the Spirit or bapti- yeah, baptized, yeah, baptized by the Spirit. Now, now, the next step was the baptizee, uh, the one who's getting baptized, but there's not. I mean, I think everyone here can figure out that we're talking about then it's a person who is a believer. And now they're standing in the water to be baptized in the same way. Jesus takes them and baptizes them with the spirit into the church, which is what the passage said. Yeah, And then you go into the element again. We We don't have to spend a lot of time. We just dealt with that but it's it's the idea that jesus is baptizing us into the element of the spirit just like we are baptized in the water um so nothing really deep or shocking there
0: yeah but again it's imagery right so i mean when when it comes to water baptism at least you know it's giving that physical picture of that spiritual truth
1: in fact it's one of the things that Helps me as a pastor when I, whenever I do a baptism, because it brings me so much joy as I watch mm-hmm. a person go under and then come back up, because I do know what is going on, and yeah. um, you know, so often in the Baptist circles, at least, you'll hear people they'll they'll take actually Romans six out of context, and they'll think that it's referring to us dying with Christ and rising with Christ. Um, but that's not really what is going on. That's not the genuine imagery. Um, in fact, the Romans 6, I would argue theologically and biblically, is spirit baptism, but that's a separate issue. Yeah, yeah. Again, but it, there's a great imagery going on here of you know, going under the water, coming back up, and, and in that, it's reflecting what has already happened spiritually. That, that yeah. because my faith in Christ, Christ has placed me into his church through the baptism of the spirit. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh,
0: so then the next one, so that's the element you're baptized into the spirit. The next point then is the condition what's the condition of spirit baptism. The condition is genuine faith in, in Jesus Christ. Now, what's important to understand on this one is that nowhere, and I'll repeat that is that nowhere in the Bible, um, are we called to seek or to pray or to agonize or to surrender or to fully commit whatever verb or, adverb you want to use or for that matter even pray for spirit baptism
1: all right let me jump in and just double emphasize that because anyone who is listening who has heard otherwise all you have to do is go look ask the one who's teaching you Show me the Bible verse. Just show me it, where where you're showing that idea of agonizing and surrendering, and I it doesn't exist nowhere in no. the Bible. Not not one passage. Right.
0: There, there's no command with no. regard to it. Rather, to use the technical word, it's a great indicative. All right. So what's in the? It's a fact or a truth. Yeah. Um. This is rea- this is biblical reality. In other words, it doesn't care what you think about it. It doesn't. It's not asking you to
1: act on that. It nothing. It's just stating what is.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, and we see this clearly in acts one, five, where Jesus makes, he just makes a simple statement. He says, you will be baptized not many days from now. And he's talking there about the spirit. Um, he, there's no, and there's no command. There's zero instruction anywhere around those verses with regard to being baptized by the spirit. Um, there's nothing that they need to do to quote, get this baptism. Um, there's just no command. It's just a
1: reality. It's a state of fact. One, one thing that somebody might be thinking right now, though, is, well, that's not completely true because then he, they went up to the upper room and they were praying and then a spirit came upon them. So we'll, we'll have to deal with that. We won't deal with it here, but, I will actually be, I think I can make a persuasive argument that that's not even really talking about spirit baptism even there, and we'll, we'll talk about yeah, why I, I,
0: in a, a later, but. And actually they were disobedient, they were right. told to wait.
1: <laughs> And n- nor were they, um, nor were they, does the Bible text ever connect the fact that they're praying with Correct. the fact that the spirit came. Yeah,
0: so. There's no no command, no instruction given with regard to spirit baptism. And we would say just compare that with many today who are striving to or told to, quote, get this baptism. Um, and we say that because there, there's many who are who, who really do genuinely feel they're doing something wrong because they've not yet had some kind of experience related to what's often called spirit baptism.
1: Yeah, and, and before it lo- we go any further, I don't want it to look like we're just beating up on the charismatic side. Um, We have a lot of brothers and sisters who would be in a non-charismatic realm. It's called a Keswick sense of the work of the spirit, um, where it's the same idea, though, not with the sign gifts of speaking in tongues or miracles or anything like that, but it's the idea that your job is to empty yourself so completely so that then you can be baptized with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit because they're going to conflate those together. Mm-hmm. Um, let go and let God. Yeah, let go and let God. That is, yeah. and in fact, that, that's the tradition I was raised in. And so you're, you, you want to have victory. You need to have the Spirit in a fuller sense. And the only way you can do that is if you empty yourself and you completely surrender to God, stuff like that. And so it's the same error. Um, the difference is, they would say, and the evidence of it is that now you have victory over sin versus you speak in tongues, or right. and and some some of the uh, groups actually have both of those. You now have victory and you speak in tongues. So just understand, we're not dealing only with a charismatic kind of perspective on this. It's it it's shows ubiquitous. itself in all yeah. kinds of ways.
0: Yeah, so th- th- it is though. It's it's an indicative. It's an objective reality. We saw that, for instance, in First Corinthians twelve thirteen, that passage that you read. Um, you know, we were all made to drink of one spirit, and and the the key term there is all. Uh, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Um, so it's not like some have it and some who are genuinely converted don't yet have it. It's it's we all have this. And so if a person's genuinely converted, the reality of their life is they've been objectively baptized into the spirit. Jesus did this and he did it at the moment of conversion. Um, Again, we are all made to drink or baptize into the spirit. It's just this great reality. It's a theological fact.
1: And, and if people aren't following with that, it's just a simple parallelism. We were all baptized into one body. We were all made to drink of one spirit. It's just, he's, he's creating a parallelism. They're not two separate events. They're one and the same. Yeah. Nothing exciting or deep there.
0: (laughs) Um, one thing that is also important to understand when it comes to spirit baptism is that this is something that happens at the moment of conversion. Uh, this is a once for all reality, and it's not something to be repeated. Uh, just as you're justified at the moment of your conversion. So also you're, you're baptized into the spirit at the moment of your conversion. This is a contemporaneous
1: That's a fancy group. reality.
0: Yeah. Meaning it happens at the same time. Um, and so the, I say that because, there's this thing called second blessing theology, which we're not going to get into. We don't have the time, but a second blessing theology states that there is, so you come to Christ. um, Well,
1: can I try? Sure. It's a two-stage Christian experience. You have the first stage is you come to Christ, like you said, Mm -hmm. and then, but then there's a higher level, a deeper level or fuller level. And it shows itself in that Keswick, let go, let God, or... Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and that, that second blessing... In, in second blessing theology can happen at the moment of conversion, moments after, or years after. And multiple times over the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll get into this when when we talk about it, but it, it comes really from an understanding of how you read the book of Acts. Um, because as you, as you read through the book of Acts, you see people coming and making a profession in Christ. And then Paul comes trotting along and says, but have you been have you received the spirit? And they're like, we've never even heard of the spirit. Yeah, <laughs> And so it gets kind of interesting, but it, it has to do with how you understand the book of Acts in uh, redemptive history. And so, you know, for me, I I think one of the most helpful, there's not a lot of scholarship done in Pentecostal theology or charismatic theology, but there's a, a guy who named J. Rodman Williams, his renewal theology, it's his magnum opus, uh, to me, he's given the most definitive defense of second blessing theology. Um, and it's really well done because he deals with the text of scripture. I'm not convinced of it and I think he gets it wrong, but I really enjoyed interacting with them because- but at least you could interact because he's dealing with the text. On the textual grounds, yeah. 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 And so maybe we'll interact with him at a different point, but suffice it to say, never is a Christian commanded to seek a second blessing or a fuller baptism of, of the Holy Spirit. And that's the point. Again, though- how many people are doing that? They're they're being told,
1: your problem is that you have not experienced the Spirit. You need to be baptized with the Spirit. You're going to have victory afterward. I mean, I've, I've counseled, I can't tell you how many younger people over the years who have are just discouraged because of some kind of a besetting sin. They just can't seem to break it. And in all, I have no reason to doubt that they're a believer. Um, but they come to me, And they hold to this, they hold to some second blessing idea. And I press them on. I'm like, but you're, you're doing all of the things that you claim that you would be evidence that you've been baptized with the spirit. Um, You're speaking in tongues, whatever it might be. And yet you still can't have victory over this. Why? Well, and then I explained to him, it's because you don't even understand how victory, how, how, yeah. do, how do you become holy? You know, the process of being sanctified and you're chasing after something doesn't exist. And then you're asking God to bless something that he never created. Um, it really is not a true doctrine. It's it's fably. Yeah. Um, but but it's more than just fably. It It's problematic because there's a lot of people who think that if they go, and do this or that, or they hear this person, or they experience that moment. Finally, they're going to reach because they hear other people talking about when this happened. You know, my sins went away. My and it's like no, no, right. not yeah. n- that. That's impossible. You're carrying about with you still sin. Yes. Um, theologically, it's a bad statement, but they're they're killing themselves and they're discouraged. They're wore out. And for me, as a pastor, my heart aches for them because it's like there's a better way. Yeah, it's called spirit filling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll get into. Uh, so what what's the next? All right. So then we get into the immersion idea. Um, again, very simple. The word baptized, and we're not going to get into a debate over this either. Um, as much as people want to try to make it sprinkling or pouring or dipping or something, the word baptized simply means to immerse. uh, There's no doubt about that. There's no questions about it. Um, The problem always arises theologically because there's a lot of traditions that don't uh,
0: immerse, but there's no way around the actual meaning of the word. I had a professor in seminary who did high level, I mean, high, high level scholarship on tracing out the word baptism. And after thousands of pages of Formal research. He's like my conclusion. It means to immerse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even in the few passages that I wouldn't want to do that, but
1: they'll talk about a few passages where it's used, and that you know you're pouring the water sure. over the hand and stuff like that. And it's like, but even then, the the hand is completely enveloped by the water. That's the point. You're dipping it into the, you're dipping your water, your hands into the water and then letting it fall off. All you're doing is baptizing your hands, but the hands have been immersed. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those things that I get tired of fighting over. Um, and we're not going to here. It, it, it means to immerse and- Well, we're Baptists, so yeah. Well, and there. Well, that's why. That's one of the reasons why we're a
0: Baptist though. No, we're Baptist, um, so we think that.
1: No, I'm, I'm kidding. All right. I know you're kidding, but no, it's not true. Um, okay, so again, it's picturing though a reality that um, now you inhabit. Um, uh, you're a new creature when when Christ takes you because of your regeneration of, of the fact that you are you have faith, you've been converted, you've been justified, all of those things have happened. Um, you now are a new creature. You are now in a new state. And that new state is because you've also been baptized uh, with the spirit. It's It's the whole idea of being incorporated into the body of Christ, or what Paul likes to just say in shorthand, he says, you are now in Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, all in Christ means is that you're in the church, but the First Corinthians passage was very clear that the way that you come into the church is through the baptism, with the Spirit. So Christ takes you, baptizes you with the Spirit, and it puts you into the bo- into that one body called the church. Yeah. Um, and, and this thing is a, a brand new reality that is all inclusive. It's, it's everything and everything that you need because now you become a partaker of all the blessings that are attached to being uh, in Christ. And anyone who wants to know that, just read through the book of Romans or Ephesians and just trace out every time he says in Christ or in him. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can see everything that comes with that. Um, But again, it shows how utterly present God is with us as a whole and also as individuals, that we have been baptized into a body of believers. Um, And it's why pursuing a second blessing or, or fuller baptism of the Spirit is really actually insidious because it. You're, what you're saying is that what God has done is not enough, when in fact, the Bible says the exact opposite. It is enough. In fact, it's beyond our wildest imagination. But we're pursuing it. This will sound harsh, but we're ch- pursuing a cheap substitute uh, or a quick fix, yeah. um, rather than what it is. Um, it, it, in other words, I'm saying it undermines. Um, I guess the true reality of what it means to be in Christ, fully in Christ, to be truly a new believer, to have the Spirit of God fully present with you—that's the beauty of the doctrine. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you, I mean, we have the tri Oh, it's, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so you can't get more of Him, but that that's also to say, you, then you don't need more of Him. No, there's nothing more of Him. You, I mean, He's given you everything. You have the fullness of His presence with you always. And complete connection with him, his life, his power, his presence. And it means then that
1: the brand new believer and the old saint who's been walking with Christ for 40, 50 years, they have the same standing. That they're mm-hmm. both richly and fully blessed in the fullest sense. One doesn't, one may have a better understanding or grasp of their standing, but it doesn't change their standing, right? Correct. I mean, all, all the older Christian who's mature and stable in his faith is, is that he he knows how to rest in what is his. The young Christian is still figuring out what that means. Uh, you know, I, I think it might be the difference of somebody that you just adopt into your family, and they've only been with you for a week, and maybe somebody that you adopted 15 years ago, and they know you they're yeah. yours right? And there's no question. The other one's still waiting for the shoe to drop. And and you're like, dude, you're ours. We love you. And you always will be ours. Um, so again, I, I say that only to encourage some of the people who are just so discouraged because they're thinking, I, those people seem to have so much more. No, they yeah. don't. No, they don't. They. The moment you're in Christ, you have everything and everything.
0: Yeah it is it is a truth that's worth meditating on yeah. uh, it, you know especially when you when you think about things like the fact that you're not always cognitively aware of god you know so you're you're working 40 hours a week your mind is consumed with your your work unless you're you who write sermons yeah <laughs> you know? yeah i only work an hour <laughs> yeah that's true so 39 hours uh but but the reality is even when you're not thinking of him he's he's with you he's present with you you have the fullness of him with you, which is why you can pray at any point in time. You don't need to whip yourself up into something. You don't need to turn on the music for something. He's, the fullness of, of him is he's there and you have all the benefits of what that means. And, and he's in your
1: deepest, darkest despair, he's no less there. Correct, yeah. And in, in that moment of just sheer absolute joy you have not experienced God close. You've not become closer to God. You can't. Right. He is in you and you are in him. I mean, in the fullest. And if people can see that, then, then they'll begin to realize that they've been told a, a lie. Mm-hmm. And it's a frustrating lie uh, yeah. because you exhaust yourself trying to figure out, how can I get more?
0: Right. What, what's wrong with me? And the greatest expression of this because when you're baptized into the spirit, it means you're placed into the body. So the greatest expression of that is going to happen within the context of fellowship, yeah. which leads us to the result. Yeah. So we we came up with four.
1: Um, the first one is that, as we just said, it brings us into the body of Christ, which is that true universal church. So we're not talking about the individual Local, visible churches. We're talking about the genuine church uh, of Christ. Uh, and it says again, 1 Corinthians 12 13, it is the key passage. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Or Ephesians 4 4, there is one body and one spirit. Um, this is why water baptism again becomes important. It's a, a picture physically of what's happening spiritually. Just as at the moment of conversion, then you are baptized into the spirit and therefore into the body. In the same way, water baptism then becomes this visible sign of incorporation into the church. Um, w- like we won't, at Missio Day, we won't let anyone join the church if they've not been right. immersed. They have to, and, and they have to have been immersed as a professing yeah. believer. Um, and so that's the first step in membership, affirming and making certain that they've been properly baptized. And if not, that's the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we'd also say under normal circumstances, you would not take the Lord's supper without first having been water baptized, because it's it's the evidence that in fact, you are now making this public declaration that you you have faith in Christ, you believe in Christ and the gospel, and therefore you're part of the church. Yeah, And so... Um, I think Mark Dever was the guy that said well, baptism is the entrance way into the church, the, vi- the visible church. And then the Lord's supper is the means to
0: continue in the life of the church. Greg Allison. Really? Yeah. It's, he said it's the initial rite,
1: R-I-T-E. See, I think though, that if you look at the nine marks of a, church of a healthy church by Dever, you'll find he says something similar. I'm sure he does. Yeah. He's probably on. ripping off Allison
0: though, or the other way around. Plagiarist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's the first one is entrance into the church. Anyone going to Dever's church. I don't need an email. Yeah. Um, or Southern Seminary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, second, it, it brings us into Christ himself. Uh, which is, I mean, we've already talked about that in several ways, but Galatians 3.27 states, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Uh, this is an interesting passage because a lot of people make the assumption that it's referring to water baptism, but that's that can't be the case. Um, because he states, for all of us who were baptized into Christ have clothed ourselves with Christ. In other words, the way that you get into Christ is, by being baptized yeah. by the Spirit yeah. into Christ. And so th- this can only be speaking of a spirit baptism, not water baptism.
1: And so if if people can hear that one, and I encourage them to just then go get a Bible app, whatever, where they can t- type in the word baptize, they're going to find several passages that clearly connect the word baptism with our Becoming in Christ, Mm -hmm. or or our union with Christ, and those passages are not talking about water baptism; they're talking about the Spirit baptism. But Romans six, yeah,
0: that's a. Colossians
1: two is another one. Yeah, Um, yeah, very, very common. And those are what's interesting is that they are the ones that um, are the foundation of the debate over sprinkling or infant baptism and and believer's baptism. Um, and so often I, I get frustrated when I hear the debates because they don't deal with the text um, and just show that we're not even talking about the same baptism. Right. Um, so. Yeah.
0: Uh, and then last, we would say that it brings us into very real unity.
1: Well, wait, the third one we didn't really say. I mean, we mentioned the passages, but it, oh. it identifies us with uh, Christ in his death and resurrection. Yeah. That, that when we are baptized with the Spirit, we, we are now connected to all things Christ, right? Yes. Whatever Christ is and has done becomes ours because we're now in Christ. So that's why Paul can say in Romans 6 that we were baptized uh, into his death mm-hmm. and into his resurrection because yes. we are now identified with Christ. We have been baptized with the Spirit and bec- because of that, all that Christ is becomes
0: ours. Mm-hmm. Now, would you say... That that's a, a more minor theme, with regard to water baptism, and and a, and maybe a more major theme would be the incorporation into the body. Well,
1: I yeah. Or
0: would I, you say they're well, pretty equal?
1: The, uh, the way I would say it is, it's not so much picturing the that we died to sin and rose to new life as much as I would. Tr- I, but most people wouldn't follow the subtle distinction, so I don't lose a lot of sleep over it. It's not a bad picture of that. Yeah. I would just simply say that when you're being baptized, um, what you're seeing in the water baptism is what has already happened—that you've already died with Christ yeah. and you've been raised with Christ. Yeah. But but that's occurred that nobody could see because it was
0: Jesus doing it, right? The yeah, and I just say that because when you know when I the baptisms that I'll have watched or experienced or seen, almost always the pastor who's ever doing the baptism, that's the illustration they give, is this is you're dying with Christ when you go under the water and you're rising with him when you come out, which is fine, fine but that's why I say, I mean, if you examine all those passages about yeah. baptism, it's, it's this incorporation into yeah. the body of Christ. So now last, that brings us then, Uh, Spirit baptism brings us into a a real unity. And we get this from Ephesians four, three through six, where Paul states being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And the main phrase there obviously is, that we are to be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit.
1: Yeah. And and uh, it's a favorite passage of mine because it's not saying that we need to pursue the unity of the spirit, but preserve it. We already have it. Right. Indicative. It's something Yeah, it's the, that classic indicative again. Yeah. So it's it's the idea that the church is already completely unified in that sense. Whatever this spirit, whatever that is meant, we have it. And, and the only charge that we have responsibility for is to maintain it, yeah. to, to not allow that breakdown. So, so you're not striving no. to achieve it or get it. Or pursue unity, no, but maintain he, it. Instead, he deals with that kind of unity a little bit further down when he talks about having a unity, coming to a unity of doctrine or uh, of the faith. Uh, that's something that we're still pursuing, which is why we're doing the podcast, right? Yeah. There's differences of opinion. But we are main, can, commanded, maintain that unity uh, because the moment that you believed, you were brought into a fellowship through the Spirit, Mm -hmm. And, and that's something that we are to be jealous for. So when I look at you, I may not like you necessarily, but you are my brother, you are my, I'm your brother. And we need to preserve that we need to understand that kind of like family. Yeah. You know, we put up with each other, we forgive each other, because push comes to shove, we're brothers.
0: And of course, there's all those implications of this is why you have to be part of a church. Um,
1: which is another podcast but
0: (laughs) yeah of course but that you one of the ways you don't maintain that unity is by not even being present with believers in fact we've said
1: this in various ways um, but we'll say it over and over again in both preaching in our private counseling to people there is no way that you can claim to love the head of the church and yet not be in, in a vital unity to his body. You, you don't get to separate the head from his body. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, a genuine baptism of the spirit is not talking about anything with regard to ecstatic experience, a miraculous moment. Uh, it's not something you pursue, not something you strive for. It is something that happens to you at the moment that you truly believe. Christ takes you and places you in the spirit, which puts you in his body. And now you're
0: part of the genuine Church of Christ. Right. So that's spirit baptism. We're gonna do spirit filling and spirit indwelling next time.